Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage Podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast that focuses in on teamwork, leadership, and culture. Hi, I'm your host, Greg Gregory, and the Teamwork Advantage is about that, but it's not just about teamwork, leadership, and culture in the workplace. The ideas that we talk about on this show are ideas that you can implement in every aspect of your life, whether you're working for your church or nonprofit group, whether you're working with your family and your kids. It does not matter. And of course, it obviously works in the workplace. Today, we're joined by Kelly Verla, CSP, and we're going to talk today about how do we get employees engaged? And that's a tough challenge, especially as we look at today's environment, where we're talking about hybrid environments, virtual environments, possibly in person, but possibly not. We don't know. So we're going to talk about how do we keep people engaged? And that's exactly what Kelly's focus is all about, energizing and engaging your teams, even in uncertain times, helping you nurture the top talent to create and maintain an amazing work culture. Guys, people are changing. It's a job hop market today. It's not about money. It's about the culture, how they feel, generations, everybody's looking at different things. So let's see if we kind of roll this all together today in an episode about energizing and engagement. Welcome, Kelly Verla, CSP. Hey, Greg. Welcome to you. I, it's been so. It's been a while since we've chatted. It's great to be here. It is. Kelly and I have known each other. Gosh, I guess what? Almost twenty years now. Yeah, started about. when I was five. That's right. Yeah, started when you were five. <laughs> I was four, fourteen. He's a man. Um, well, I want to talk a little bit today. We know you got your book and your book. If you want to give it a little quick plug here, it's ready, set, engage, uh, how to tap in, tune in and turn on your workforce. So we're going to get to that and some of the ideas out of the book today, but before we do it, listeners here on the teamwork advantage want to know a little bit about what got you to where you are today. Okay. Um, okay. You don't have to go all the way back to when you were born, but let's take it a little bit about what got Kelly Verla to where she is, the superstar rock star that she is today. Absolutely, Greg. Happy happy to be here, too. Um, you do so many great things for people, so I always love to partner up with you. You know, um, I, I'm sad that I can't tell you about where I was born because I weighed seven pounds, 11 ounces, and that, you know, it's not often a woman will brag about her weight, so that's as low as it's ever going to be, so I'm very excited, and I think 7-Eleven were lucky numbers. You know, I raised, uh, started off in Dallas, Texas, and I will tell you that uh, father was airline pilot, mother was a, a operating room nurse, um, extremely professional, amazing people, but I have a fun family. I come from Greeks. Um, we, you know, the women in my family, our hips come around the corner about two seconds before we do. Um, but if you want to hear more professional ideas, I, when I was growing up, I traveled so much that I thought I was going to be a travel agent. I wanted to own this amazing fantasy travel agency where you would go to exotic and amazing places. And then mm-hmm. I one day was at a travel event and I went home really late. And so this is going to be one of those great stories where I saw a billboard and there was a, a disc jockey broadcasting from a billboard. 
And on the billboard, they were it said free coffee, free donuts, free orange juice. And I pulled over and I was standing there having my wonderful coffee, donuts and orange juice. And everybody there was sort of like somebody who was like a third shift where they were coming from a late night, overnight, whatever. And this man came up to me in a Giorgio Armani type suit. And he said, hello, I'm so-and-so general sales manager. And um, what do you do? And I was dressed in what I call the, the Marriott suit. It was the navy blue uh, outfit with the maroon tie and the little cufflinks and the little tie bar. And um, I said, I'm a travel agent. And he said, well, have you ever thought about selling radio? And I said, well, you know, I, I hadn't, you know, I just love to listen to the radio. And he said, well, why don't you come by later? That was Friday morning at 6 a.m. I came by at 2 p.m. on Friday. And on Monday, I was selling radio advertising. So I guess I did pretty well in the interview. He thought I was a very chipper person, but actually I was just coming in from a late night. So the good news is I learned how to sell radio, but I was always a junkie for motivational speakers. So uh, my, my icons were Brian Tracy. Zig Ziglar was in our backyard, for goodness sakes. Mm -hmm. um, I was listening to Tony Robbins, and he was walking on hot coals. And I thought, wow, these are transformational ideas. And I can listen to these tapes for free. You know, and I would listen to them so much that it would like, woo, woo, you okay, know, like. Kelly? Yeah. You're aging yourself. Oh, <laughs> You know, you, you use you the know, word tapes. Let's explain what a tape is and how to read. Oh, oh my gosh, I forgot. I forgot that most of your audience has well, a lot of your audience, at least maybe half of your audience, has only had digital music. Yeah. They've never experienced a skip on a vinyl record. When I said to my nephew, that's like a broken record, he said. You mean like in the Olympics when they run faster than anyone in the world? And I said, no. How am I going to start? Years ago, we had these round things with vinyl before your digital MP3s. Um, but, you know, and if you haven't lived until you have rescued your favorite cassette from the mouth of a tape player and wound it up. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So we had solutions. We had real solutions in my day. I, I know I'm going until you had to edit those tapes too. Oh, listen! Wow, and you know an eight track. Oh, I, I could go on, but I but I and I will. <laughs> the story uh, that moves is that I um, started in radio, and then I wanted to go see Brian Tracy. And I went into my supervisor, my sales manager at the time, and I said, I really want to go see Brian Tracy. And I want you to pay for it. <laughs> he goes, well, I'll tell you what, uh, let's compromise. He goes, if you can come back and bring us a synopsis, do a one sheet, present it to the sales group, uh, then I'll pay for it. So I thought, wow, what a great deal. I went, I came back. It was a great little synopsis. I had fun. They had fun. They learned some really amazing points. And I thought, well, this is wonderful. So then I mapped out my calendar and I picked a bunch of different seminars I wanted to go to. And then I uh, scheduled for me to go into the sales meetings. And then somewhere down the line, somebody from another industry heard that I was giving really great trainings, but they were, you know, they were just full of info they could use. And I was just bam, bam, bam with this content. And it was really helping people. And I was like, I love this. It was just a, a adrenaline thing. So that's how I started. 
uh, moving and transitioning into my own consulting, where I literally help people build their skills so they can have an amazing life. You know, yours and mine path along those lines are so parallel. Yeah. Yours was in uh, auto sales. Mine was in real estate sales. Well, mine was radio sales. I'm sorry, radio sales. Radio. Yes. Radio but sales. I did have a lot of car dealers as clients, so that's true. Yes. So you had radio sales, but mine was in real estate sales. Wow, from the yeah. Banking days, and that's how I built my business. Oh, so, yeah. Wow. Mortgage, so um, mortgage you got off, and you, originally you were doing a lot of different topics. Am I right? Oh, yeah. I, it, was, uh, it's called, it was called the grab bag. You know, it was like, uh, what, what do you teach? What do you need? <laughs> I used to use the term half topic will travel. Oh uh, yeah, that's real. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. But mm -hmm. you know what happens is you start out with this giant funnel and then you realize that you have areas of expertise and you start to really, yes. really drill down. And the, when the niche happens is when you can really use that expertise. Yes. Yeah. I think it was Brian Tracy who was quoted as saying, Whenever you have studied a subject for 10,000 hours, you become an expert yes. and you cannot study all of those subjects for 10,000 hours. You have to study a specific a one. And so engagement, which leads to a corporate amazing culture. That's really my niche. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So over the years, you've niched it down into that. And lately, it's really, and I've, I've known you and I've been following you recently, getting into the energizing and engaging people. Right. How did, how did that come about? Well, you know, we travel all the time, Greg, before COVID. And um, I remember all my encounters. There's just so many encounters. You know, we encounter people in the airlines, people in the car rentals, people in the hotels, and some people are engaged and some people are not, but I hate to say this, but most of them are disengaged. Some of them actively disengaged. We, I mean, we, we, have a, we have a subgroup that we call the cave dwellers, C-A-V-E, which is constantly against virtually everything, okay? And in other words, they, they're, they're just not excited at all. And so I went up to this rental car counter and I needed, I needed a, a non-smoking car because my allergies were really acting up. And you know how some of the cars are non-smoking, air quotes, Yep. They, they yep. just kind of spray it with Febreze and hope for the best. Well, I was really going to see if I could Im, um, impose upon him my need. So I go up to the counter and he's got his hand on his chin like this. And he's looking really bored out of his skull. His uh, magnetic name tag was upside down. And I said, well, hello, you know, which is weird when the client has to greet the person who's supposed to be serving. And I said, is it possible that you might have a non-smoking car? And he does this. I said, don't you care? And he, I've never heard this before. And he goes, ma'am, they don't pay me enough to care. Ah! And so where's my bell? I have to ring my bell on that. And I was like, I have not heard that ever. And he did not realize that in a nanosecond, I could be on Yelp or Facebook or Instagram and literally just nail this this awful behavior that was a micro behavior that would literally maximum contribute. I mean, I, I network with 300 speakers and trainers who need travel and who need cars all the time. I'm not going to tell you the name of the group, but I will tell you that we do have influence of the people in our circles. And I thought this is, this is serious. This is quite yeah. serious. And that was 20 years ago. 
And I yeah, said, that was 20 years know, ago before we had to deal with uh, yeah. all the instant stuff that we do today. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But so the I, influence was still there. Oh, yeah. But I just thought to myself, we could do, we could so get into all of that and, and really make a difference. And so I thought this is, this is the area that I want to go into mm -hmm. with 16% of the workforce disengaged, 21% actively disengaged as people need a lot of help. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about how do we get them engaged? Okay. You've got the guy there at the counter, hand on his face. They don't pay me enough to care. Yeah. So if, if, how do we get somebody engaged? It starts obviously hiring, right? I think that's the critical part with everything. Yeah. But how do you get somebody and what happens? And by the way, is it possible for people, this is maybe a, a three, three or four part question. Is it possible somebody that is engaged all of a sudden to become disengaged and then oh, yeah. how do we get them back? Oh yeah. Well, let, let's start, let's just start by saying the best definition I have discovered in all my studies for engagement, eight words, eight little words. Here we go. Great work done well with others every day. Great work done well with others every day. This was coined by uh, David Zinger who founded the employee engagement network. Brilliant mind, amazing network of people whose only goal is to get together and share so we can accelerate and celebrate what's going on with this uh, movement to get people really into the culture of what I call ah, amazement, right? But, but let's talk about a few things that are reasons why people will get disengaged and leave. And, and for instance, uh, somebody no longer fits in the organization, that can happen. Um, let's say somebody doesn't have the resources that they need to do the job they've been tasked to do. And it might be long range. It might be chronically happening. Um, another reason is they, they lack the chance to develop within their field of expertise. Another reason is that work could be physically demanding. Um, there's a lot of reasons why they would get disengaged. Another reason is people either don't ask them for feedback that are part of the administration of the whole entire okay. organization, right. or they do ask them, but they don't do anything about the feedback. Let me give you an example. I used to work in a, in a radio station and I could swear that when I put a suggestion in the suggestion box, nobody was reading it. In fact, I thought, I thought there was a shredder on the other side of the slot you put it in. It went, Neow! thank you for your suggestion. So um, I, I had that conversation with management and uh, basically it's one of those times where management sits you down in sales and says, Hey, you're doing great, but we want you to do 20% more next year. What can we do to help you? And I said, well, it's kind of small. It's not a big deal. Well, no, nothing's too small, Kelly. Now, of course I was one of the leading salespeople, so it was a little bit easier for me, but if you can imagine even my suggestions were nobody was, and we had great smart people. I couldn't understand why some of their ideas weren't being implemented. And I said, well, I don't think you're reading our suggestions. And they said, oh no, we are. And I said, really, I, I don't. And I said, well, can we get the suggestion box? Can you open it up and let's see some of the latest? And um, the number one guy looked at the number two guy and goes, yeah, Jim, go get it. And that's why it's great to have a number two guy, I guess. And Jim went to go get the box and there was a, a lock on it and they were doing the whoop, 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 whoop for the key. There, no, none of them had the key. And so they got a maintenance guy in to 
undo the hinges on the box. So just so we could get in there and pull a few of these uh, suggestions. And um, I had before that done a secret campaign for 30 days of different brightly colored paper, but basically said day one, my suggestion is read our suggestion, love Kelly. And then I just put it in the box. Day two, same thing. Day three, you think by three days, somebody would have grabbed me and said, hey, what's up? Nobody said a thing, which confirmed. So they found all my post-its and um, they uh, committed to uh, at least acknowledging that people uh, had great ideas. And they did like a green light, yellow light, red light system. Green light was, hey, great suggestion. Wow, we have all these resources. We can put this to work fairly soon. Uh, yellow light was, uh, hey, great suggestion. Always thank you for your suggestion was the start. And we have a few of these resources in place. And in fact, we like this for the master plan. We're going to start this a little bit farther down the road, but thanks so much. Red light was, uh, thanks for your suggestion. You know what? We don't have the resources in place for this, but we are going to put this in one of our plans. Thank you so much. But the whole, you know, it just changed the people because people are starting to get acknowledged. And that's really what it's about. It's mm-hmm. let's pay attention. That's a part of it. That's a part of it, Greg. It's mm-hmm. not the whole thing. But it's right. And then, of course, once they implement a suggestion, they got to give credit to the person who made the suggestion. Well, this is true. And, mm-hmm. and some of them were private because they were something that was dealing with another process or something that HR wanted to run by and handle legally before they would even present it. So they mm-hmm. had to be smart about that. But, right. you know, so one of the things I would say years ago, people used to do the Q12, the Gallup 12 question. They call it the Q12. And the Gallup questions have become slightly, well, they've become dated. A- example, one of the questions on the engagement survey from Gallup was, do you have a best friend at work? And a lot of people couldn't say it was really a best friend, but it was a confidant. So, so we changed the verbiage a little bit and we, and we can curate the questions, we can have really smart questions, you know, like, um, would you would you invite one of your best friends to work here? That says a lot about what you think. Yeah. And then there are other kinds of questions too, for instance, leadership type questions, people asking you to reflect, do you feel like you are acknowledged from your leaders? And if so, how? Or if so, what would be a preference for you in the acknowledgement area? There's, there's many different areas that make a lot of sense that you want to drill into, but you've got to start with what we call the baseline. Um, You know how it is with GPS. You can't get from A to B if you don't know where A is. So you've got to know first, where are we? And so if you're going to embrace this, I suggest you get all in. Some of the groups I work with have established an engagement director. And their sole job is to go in and make sure they've researched all the different avenues, all the different ways that you can engage people. And then they're bringing it back and then they're making it custom to what they want their culture to be. It's exciting, actually. So this is a broad brush question. Uh What are most organizations missing in their employee engagement? Well, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of them are just taking a generic measurement and hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, you've got to update your questions. You've got to make sure that your questions are customized to you and what you're doing. Uh, let me give you an example of some modern questions. On a scale of one to 10, how happy are you at work? 
Um, okay. I think Joan Rivers used to say, I'm happy, but I'm not happy, <laughs> right? So you can be happy, but you're not like over the moon happy. Okay. Uh, another question, uh, do you have a clear understanding of your career promotion path? These were not questions on a Q12. Uh, on a one to 10 scale, how would you rate your work-life balance? And employee retention, would you reapply to your current job? Whoa, good question. Really good question. Do you see yourself working here a year from now? That's a loaded question for some people that it's not unusual for them to come into an interview with five jobs under their belt already and they're under 30, okay? You remember how it used to be when people took a job, Greg, they worked for 25, 30 years, got a gold watch, got a pension. There's so many things now that are uncertain that many of the jobs need to have an immediate set of goals and some apparent quick wins. In other words, you've got to see progress. If you don't see progress, a lot of people get very, very um, unmotivated. And we're not challenging some of our people. You right. know, when, when millennials first started, Greg, a lot of people would say, well, we think they're kind of lazy. Well, what was really happening was they were kind of amazing. And they would do that little task that you ask them to do. And then they were bored. And so a lot of us needed to discover exactly who our people are and where the challenge threshold is. And then we need to take them there to that challenge threshold. I don't know if you found that to be true as well yeah. when you're working with teams, right? Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's a huge thing because so many people have different directions and it's not like everybody's got the same goal. And of course, again, today, when we look at generations, the older generation is still, you come in, you work, works number one. Well, today that's not the case. Yeah. And so it's, how can we engage them that way? Yeah. Um, let me ask this question with the pandemic, you know, I know when this first hit, we said, well, this will probably blow over in a couple of months. Obviously, that didn't happen. Yeah. What have you noticed that has changed in the employee engagements from in-person to the virtual world? And then now with some companies going back to hybrid, Yeah. what are you noticing? Well, I'll tell you what, you know, as well as I, Greg, that when we're in person with people, nothing will ever replace that. There's, there are so many immediate feedback indicators that you can get. I, I'm always going to advocate in person for many very important things when it's safe, you know, keeping in mind if we're going to be still dealing with the pandemic and the variants. But lots of people have been working remotely for years, you know, mm -hmm. even way before this. And, and it, it's you and I are examples of that. Well, yeah, yeah, it's been working really fine. Thank you very much. What I think a lot of people have realized is that there are so many intricate details that can affect an amazing interaction. Uh, one of my favorite phrases that I've coined is a high ROI. And I know most people think of it as return on investment, but I think of it as return on interaction. That's when you're boom, boom, you're, you're all in. Okay. And you've got to learn to be all in, whether it's virtually, whether it's in person, or whether it's hybrid. One of the big thing that's, that's coming up right now with the hybrid, there's an anxiety that is interlaced with people coming back, even if it's an unknown area. And if I can just say fear equals lack of knowledge. So your fear and anxiety will be increased when you do not know what to expect. 
And we need to make sure that we bolster people up with being okay with having what I call pivot power. They want to be okay. So one of the things we do is we build a mindset. You build the mindset, the heart set, the soul set. You get people used to the idea that we may not ever know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. We just have to remain diligent. And so that's a, a huge start is building up the mindset of expectation for not only the people that are, are out there on the remote, but the people that were inside, because there are a lot of rules are going to be affected right now, Greg. People, some people don't know if the person sitting next to them is going to have to be vaccinated or not. And, you know, we have right. to still, that, that can be, that can be very um, distracting to somebody being productive. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because now all of a sudden I may have an uncertainty about who's to my left, who's to my right. And when I have that uncertainty, then all of a sudden I tend to withdraw more. If I'm withdrawing more physically, I'm probably also withdrawing emotionally, mentally, and productively. Yeah, exactly. So, so what we're seeing right now and what I, what is helping a lot is for people to start to number one, define or redefine who we are and what we do. And then make sure that what you do is translated to everybody. Let me give you an example, a uh, quick exercise. What, what are three words that describe what you do as an organization? But you random, you just ask everybody and you see what three words you get. I will almost guarantee you that if you haven't been working on that kind of uniform positioning, you're not going to get the same three words. Uh, Stephen Covey called it wildly important goals, the WIGs, uh, part of the mm-hmm. eighth habit. What we're doing right now is saying, let's at least make sure we identify who we are and what we do. You know, for years, Greg, people would walk around with these laminated name tags. And on the back of these tags would be the mission statement. And you'd go, quick, cover up your name tag. Tell me what your mission statement is. And they were like, oh, because <laughs> it was gobbledygook. It wasn't real plain English. You know what I mean? It wasn't simple. It wasn't core values. It wasn't yeah. the beliefs. It wasn't that. And exactly. the more that they've gotten those engaged. I'll take it a step further. I actually, years ago, put a slide up in a presentation Mm -hmm. and I had the vision statement or mission statement, I don't remember which, up on the screen. And I asked the audience, I said, what is this? Oh, that's a quote from so-and-so. That's this. 30 people in the room and it was their own mission statement that they had not looked at. Oh my gosh. Wow. Awkward. Awkward. (laughs) Well, well I, I, you know, like I, I, it, it's, 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 it's a little question, but it's a big question. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we know is that if you don't know your people, then you're not going to know who's a perfect fit when you're doing your hiring. So yeah. uh, one of my favorite books was how to be a great boss, Jeffrey Fox. And one of his chapters is titled um, hire slowly fire faster. And what he meant was, he didn't want you to go on a firing spree, but what he meant was take good care to know who you are as an organization mm-hmm. so that you can recognize who would fit in their culture and who is really not a good fit. And right. you know, as well as I, there's a lot of people who interview very well, and then their evil twin shows up. So we can't yep. we can't stop that. We get better at, at planning for that, you yeah. know? Um, you just, you've got to go through there and it goes, that's a similar concept that Jim Collins, of course, talked about in good to great, um, you know, get the right people on the bus, yeah, get them in the right seats. Yeah. agree. And most people forget about the next one, get the wrong ones off the bus. 
Yeah. This is your And that's style. so true, whether it's a culture fit or wherever it happens to be. Yeah. yeah. So I call that liberation ceremony, by the way. Mm-hmm. Because it liberates everybody. You, you know, I, I went to a group. It was really funny. One year I was doing a keynote for a group and um, was talking about what, one of, I'm part Greek and part Czech. And my Czechoslovakian grandmother had a phrase, honey, if your job's sweeping floors, sweep them good. So that was just that wonderful work ethic that she came from. And basically what she was saying was, if you don't like your job, if you don't love your job, find something about it that you really love while you actively search for the thing you were really meant to do that will make you thrive, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm saying this, and I'm in the keynote, and I'm real passionate about, you can't hold your team members hostage. Stop holding your clients hostage. Stop holding your supervisors hostage. You need, you're making it miserable for everybody. Do the right thing. Liberate. So then, about a year later, I got a call from the director. And she said, Kelly, that was an amazing keynote that you gave. And I want to tell you something. You know that woman that was just miserable, making all of us miserable? And I said, yeah. And she goes, well, she quit. And I said, well, you know, that's what I do. That's the kind of motivation that I do. I, I say things and people just quit. <laughs> and she goes, no, no. She's gotten back with us. Our morale went up 120%. She's thriving where she went. It was the best thing that could have happened for both of us. And yeah. it's a tough thing, Greg, but you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Get them off the bus, but in the right reason, right? Yeah. I mean, you yeah. just don't fire people for firing people. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I like to refer to that as I would offer career redirection advice. Okay. C-R-A so, is what I'm going to call that. C-R-A? <laughs> is that right? Prop? Career redirection advice. Yes, C-R-A. Right. You got to get a Y in there somewhere. Just don't put, just don't put a P word at the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, your exit interview cannot involve don't let the door hit you on your way out. So, um, mm. but you know, I mean, questions like, do you have fun at work? A lot of people misunderstand engagement and think it's funny tie days and bring your baby picture to work and we'll get to which baby you're on. That, that's not what it is at all. What it is, is that you understand what you do. You enjoy what you do. You understand the impact of what you do, which is huge because mm -hmm. if you get it, like people don't want to know, answer the phone by the third ring if they don't understand what we do here and what that third ring can do. It's what right. I, you know, I went to uh, FedEx and was going to be doing some training for them. Their receptionist had the longest nameplate I've ever seen. You know, usually it'll say the name or it'll say so-and-so receptionist or whatever. It's an executive vice president of managing first impressions. It's about five feet long, five feet long. And I said, wow, that is so cool. Tell me what that's about. And she goes, well, she goes, you know, I'm the first person you see when you come into our offices here. And she goes, and I'm the first voice you hear if you call us on the phone. And she goes, if I'm not having a good day, you make a, a, a judgment about organization based on how I represent. And I was like, oh, ding, ding. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of people don't realize. So I, I always want to take a moment to say, hey, if you're working the front desk, you're looking good. <laughs> you know, make sure that your front desk people know they're the front line. Yeah. We really they realize they have to realize what they mean to the next level or the next tier or yeah. the, where they fit in the cog of the wheel. Mm -hmm. Just like mm -hmm. the smallest little cog in a watch. If it breaks, the whole watch shuts down. Agreed. And that's Agreed. that's where we've got to go. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, ask people 
questions that are meaningful questions, ask people what they think and do something with it. That's why you have to make this an annual, at minimum, an annual thing where you're checking in. And then once you do the check-in, the action has to follow. If the action doesn't follow, then you don't have any credibility. And right. people go, yeah, it's the engagement survey. And you, it's really best if you can get a third party to collect results for you. Because yeah. a lot of people will- Anonymity be, is vital. Yeah, they'll open up. They'll open up and they'll, they'll, they may tell you more than they would tell somebody who might be in a position to promote or not promote them, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's just a smart way to do it because you want to make right. sure that people feel like they have that control, to be honest, as open as possible. Yeah. We love now, the candy. We all know that it's it's a challenge at times yeah. because different people are now working remotely. Mm -hmm. They can work. Doesn't mean they do work, but they right. can, in some cases, work, you know, 10 to 3 in the morning. Mm -hmm. And that's fine because if they get their job done, that's, that is irrelevant. Yeah. What can leaders do today to get their people a little bit more engaged because they know that they've got people who are working and I won't call it shift work because that's not really shift work. They're working right. the times that they can work that fit for them. Yeah. And with people moving and taking jobs in different cities. Now, some companies are um, reducing the pay. If you're going from say a San Francisco yeah. to uh, Iowa, the cost of living drops. So they're going to reduce the pay if they're still doing the work. So right. there's all kinds of things that are starting to come together there. Yeah. What can a leader do in that remote environment? Mm -hmm. What are some tips that people can actually take out of here today and start to do? Well, I, for, first of all, I would say that the leader, him or herself, needs to be very um, flexible, and but also needs to be dedicated to learning and always updating on what's the latest and greatest as far as real life incentives for people. You wanna, you wanna make sure that you're dealing with a pool of people and you understand what their needs are. You understand if they wanna be remote or they don't wanna be remote. Some of the groups I'm working with, they've decided that they were gonna come in the office three days a week. You can pick which days you come in, but Wednesday has to be one of them because Wednesday, Wednesday is like a pivotal handoff date for a lot of people. Yep. Um, so that's just one thing. The second thing is people want to want to know what the work environment is going to be. So you need to lay it out. Uh, one of the, the groups that I work with watches uh, dinosaurs are not, I don't mean dinosaur like old, but dinosaur like really big organizations like Google and they watch to see if Google's having people remote or not, if Google's bringing people in, if Google's requiring mm -hmm. va vaccination. Find a group that you identify with as far as the kind of culture that you have and see what they're doing and see if it even lines up with what you want to do. Because what they're doing is they're trying to define your workspace, but they can't do it without knowing what you like. So mm -hmm. they, there's some work involved, but they also have some research that's already been done. It's almost like when someone says, where, where should I locate my new restaurant? Well, first of all, find out where the McDonald's is because they've already done all the research for you, right? They're always going to pick the most crowded corner. So go, go somewhere where you know you identify with the size of that group, with the culture of that group. And with maybe even some of the ways and things that they serve, whether they're more of a service group or a retail group, look at that first. 
and then model some things, but also jump in, ask some questions. So we provide actionable insights for people because remember, knowledge controls fear. And you want people to be rocking on all cylinders. You don't want to be worried. So if I have somebody who's going to work better at home and not worry about who's sitting beside them in an office, I want to try to clear the decks and give them an opportunity to do that. We also need to empower our middle managers to act. And we need to empower our team people to be trusted to do their jobs. Oh my gosh, I was studying a, a certain group where the manager wanted them to work at home because it, there really wasn't an option for COVID. He made everyone on the team keep a Zoom camera on, not because they had a meeting, Greg. You and I talked he about He wanted this, yes. to watch them yeah. like a security camera. No trust, no trust. You can't work in that environment. No. I, can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so and yeah. and you must you must continually update your managers. There's your there's people. the key point. There's the key point. Continually update because there is no such thing as a band aid fix. Yeah. Yeah. It's changing. It's a fluid environment. Um, we thought this would last a couple months. We're 18 months into it. There really is no end to certain things yeah. right now. So how we do things are going to continually be changing. I know the podcast here, the Teamwork Advantage started as a direct result of COVID starting to happen yeah. uh, in March of 2020. So I came together, came up with the concept and launched. So we have to be able to pivot. Those yeah. are great tools. I know there's something that you have launched mm-hmm. that is part of your pivot. Yeah. So you want to talk to us a little bit about your 24-7-365 uh, LMS system. Talk to us a little bit about that yeah. and how that's engaging employees in our last couple of minutes we have here. Oh, sure. Happy to. Engageuniversity.com. And the university is spelled Y-O-U-N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. Engageuniversity.com, 24-7-365. All the, it's like an all-you-can-learn buffet. Um, and what we want to do is we want to create an environment where you can you can take the whole buffet, lock, stock, and barrel, and make it available to your teams, but you'll have a private LMS for your for your group. And so I have some groups that just want to curate certain areas. For instance, if it's an admin group, they just want the Microsoft suite. If it's a group that wants to invite, you know, really invigorate the leadership and the, the up-and-coming secession planning, we have a whole leadership series where they can certify and just focus on those items. Um, it Literally, it, it could run the gamut. And so it, I encourage anybody to go and check it out. But what I've also done is I wanted to make sure that you already knew what a per capita skill building investment would be. So we make a a price for the year. Um, I think my top my top price for the year to take advantage of the whole thing is like $97 for a person, which is not really a whole lot. And then if you have more people signing up, we do graduated discounts for frequency. The whole idea is that they can get in there. And from that, we will uh, springboard into discussion groups, individual one-on-one coaching. We can do on-site workshops, leadership retreats, um, but it runs so many different topics on team building. I encourage everybody to take a look. Okay. So let's go through that again. That's engage, E-N-G-A-G-E, university, Y-O-U. 
N-I-V-E-R-S-I-T-Y.com. Okay. I was like, wait, what do I have to do next? <laughs> M-I-C-K-E-Y. Yeah. No, and if you just go check it out, there's a whole, uh, there's a course catalog you can download okay. uh, also right there in front of you. Um, and then if you just, you know, we want, we want to connect with you though, to make sure that if you want the whole enchilada, as I like to say, it's there for you. But if you want, we would like to uh, customize it for you so that when people open it up, they'll see your logo and there, here we are going to courses designed, especially for your teams. Okay. And I'll put the uh, correct spelling of engage university in the show notes so that you can go back on uh, wherever you're listening to today and be able to get that. You've also got KiwiLive.com. You've got some free tools there that people can do. And that's yeah. Kiwi, like the fruit, live, L-I-V-E.com. And your secret password is? OPA, which is O-P-A. great for celebrate. OPA, and it can be uppercase, lowercase. What we've done is we've, uh, uh, I've assor- assembled a bunch of cool tools free downloads. I'm always updating them, but for instance, it'll be uh, course handouts or I have uh, this a new series. It's 52 quick tips on, and then just pick a topic. The download is there. The PDF is ready for you on leadership, customer service, stress relief, productivity, change mastery. And by the way, if you haven't done a change mastery course lately for your group, not a bad idea because that's the one thing that's not going to change. And I highly recommend that you at least build your people up to be resilient. And this is what we call constant white water, Greg. This is what's going on right now. There's not a calm. You don't get the calm before you see that white water anymore. We're all churning and we need to put traction and action into all that distraction. So you are going to have to carve out some time to do that quadrant two work, like Dr. Covey said. Maintenance. Uh, I'm laughing a little bit because the last few episodes uh, on the teamwork advantage and folks go back and listen to a couple of these previous ones right now. We've actually talked about quadrant two activities several times in the last few episodes. Well, if I can tell one more little story of my bad youth, I had a 1982 brand new Honda Accord LXI. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see the need to change the oil. Why should I stop? I'm doing so good in radio sales. I'm just glowing and blowing. And um, if you don't do quadrant two work, as in oil change maintenance on anything, you cannot change the oil in your car when you're going 100 miles an hour. And I learned very fast that you can buy a brand new engine for a brand new car one year later. So all I'm saying is if, if you run into my father, don't tell him because he still does not know. Hmm. You know, I got to tell you, that that is probably one of the absolute best analogies I've ever heard for Q2 activity. Can't run. That's that's absolutely amazing. You can't change it. And Greg, I got to tell you, it's, um, I talk with a lot of leaders and one of the things they tell me is that they feel like they're, they feel like they're not doing anything when they're sitting strategizing. And I'm saying to them, that is what you have. You have to do. You have to. You cannot feel guilty for planning. You must make. And then I, I hear, we don't have time. Okay, you're. No one's going to walk into you with a silver tray and a white glove and go. Here's your time for planning. You have to carve out a time on your calendar, no matter what, and you can't miss that appointment. I know there's going to be some crazies, uh, interruptions, and and fires to put out, but you have to try to honor your plan. 
that's the only way to really get ahead with this. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you and I could keep going for a long time. You and I have been able to sit and talk for hours, hours on end, hours on end. And it's so much fun. I should have told everybody to make sure they buckle their seatbelts when this session starts <laughs> because it goes nonstop. Uh, and I forgot to also say how, um, let's just say you have a background in humor. So a little we'll bit go with that. Uh, your book, though, if you, let's just give it a plug quick again. It's Ready, Set, Engage. How to tap in, tune in, and turn on your work voice. And you can pick that up at Kelly, K-E-L-L-I-V, kellyv.com. Thanks, Greg. It's great. Any it's parting words great. real fast. Yeah. Any, any parting words? Parting words. Um, enjoy the journey, my friends. Uh, you know, in, in Greek, we say opa when we want you to have abundance and happiness, help your life, your world, um, know what you love, continue to follow that with ethos, logos, pathos, and laphos. And thank you so much for being with me today, Greg. I appreciate you. Kelly, I appreciate that. And of course, you know me, I love the laphos. I always <laughs> have. Folks, once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, we share skills, and Kelly did it here today, that you can act on immediately. Until next week, remember, having a good day is just being average. When you listen to the Teamwork Advantage, we know that you're not average. Until next time, be sure to make this week excellent and exceptional. Thank you, Coach Joe. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.